1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to be into your house, Lord, and speak to these, your precious people. Lord, I pray as your servant tonight, Lord, that you will once again hide me behind your cross. I ask you, Lord God, once again, Lord God, to just let me bring forth what thus saith the Lord. Lord, I pray that everything that you've already shared with me, Lord God, through the last couple days, I pray, Lord God, that you will bring back to my remembrance, and Holy Ghost, you'll put your stamp of approval upon it. I pray, Lord, you'll stir the hearts of your people and bring all things back to my remembrance. Lord, let us lift you up tonight, Lord. These people didn't come to hear me, Lord, but they came to hear what thus saith the Lord. Lord, I ask you to have your will and your way in this service. Holy Ghost, have full reign in this place this night. And I'll fail not to praise you, for I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to talk to you tonight for um, a little while on the subject, Satan's 3D plan of destruction. Satan's 3D plan of destruction. In the scripture that we just read, it tells us that Satan is out to devour us. And if you are a child of the Most High God tonight, you are on Satan's hit list. He is out to devour, and he is out to destroy you. Now, I don't know what lies ahead for America. None of us really do. According to the Bible, which is what we go by, and according to what we feel as Christians, we don't believe it sounds too good, neither does it look too good. But I don't know what's going to happen to America. I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I'm here to tell you tonight that I do know the one who holds tomorrow. It's not good in our country right now. A poll that was taken in 2014 says that 70% of people in America confess to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But that is kind of hard for me to believe tonight when I look at what's going on in the world. They try to tell us that God no longer does miracles. I'm here to tell you tonight, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he does still do miracles. This past year, there was a spot in my brain removed by God that they thought was an aneurysm. You don't believe in miracles? Just ask Sister Mindy tonight. God is still performing miracles all over the world. God never changed. His people are the ones that have changed. 
They say that the baptism of the Holy Ghost was only for the day of Pentecost with speaking in tongues. Well, I beg to argue with them tonight because I've been speaking in tongues all day, and I'm here to tell you it's real and it's still happening. Amen? Hallelujah. They try to tell me that God no longer moves in the miraculous in America. God does move in the miraculous in America. I have a daughter that's due any time to have a baby, and the doctors told her it was almost impossible. My God still does miracles. But why they are trying to remove the name of Jesus is because this world seems to be getting more wicked and wicked and wicked and wicked every day. We live in a sad, sick society when they say that Hillary Clinton is one of the most admired women in America. I beg to disagree with you, but I totally disagree with that statement. We live in a sick society when they give Bruce Jenner, or whatever his or her name is, a trophy of courage because of what he did. I'm here to tell you tonight, it's an abomination before God. They're trying to wipe out everything that's good in America. In every, every courtroom in America, they've taken down the Ten Commandments, or at least are in the process of doing that. The very thing, the very laws that God himself took his finger and wrote himself on those stones, we think we have a right to do away with them? It's sad, church. Very, 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 very sad. But I'm here to tell you tonight the good news. As long as there is one Bible-believing, Holy Ghost-filled, devil-chasing, child of God, they're never going to totally do without the away with the light. Hallelujah. Never, ever, ever will they do it. And that's what I, I would like to talk to you for a while tonight. And I would just like for you to keep your eyes on this light, that little light. Because as long as there is a light in your life, and as long as there's a light in our church, there will never be total darkness. But because men's ways, because they love darkness rather than light, is because their deeds are evil, the Bible says. And they want to do away with this light. And that's why Satan wants to devour you tonight. He wants to do away with that light. You know, no matter how dark it is in a room, one little bit of light will take away that total darkness. The days of miracles are not over. The gifts of the Spirit are not done away with. I'd say it's time to stir up the gifts in the church. Hallelujah. God gave us those gifts for a purpose, and it wasn't to do away with them. Even so, we need them even more today than we ever did. Hallelujah. But it's no wonder why prayers are ruled out of our schools. Teacher can no longer keep Bibles on their desk. It is now, you'll go to jail for killing an eagle, but you can kill a baby within inches and seconds of being born. It's a sick society. That's why Satan's trying so hard tonight to out in your light. 
So three Ds I would like to talk to you for a while on tonight. The first one, I think that Satan tries to use to out in your light and my light tonight is doubt. Doubt is simply not being certain. It, it's beginning when you begin to question God's word and his love for you and his goodness for you. And Satan's desire is to plant that seed of doubt in every one of our hearts. It can start with an unanswered prayer. You might say, I've been praying for my loved one for so many years. I prayed, I fasted, I've held on to God. I just don't understand why God's not saving my son or my daughter. You might start to doubt God because your body is racked with pain or with sickness or with disease. You might start to doubt God because your finances are in a mess and you begin to see all the other people around you that are living in sin prospering. And the devil's always right there to say to you and to whisper in your ear, that's not fair. Look at this person or that person. They're prospering. Their kids are doing good. But he's always there to put doubt in your mind. And, and people in the Bible doubted. I think of Moses when he was called to take his children out of bondage. He said, I'm, I'm a man of slow tongue. The Israelites doubted. They doubted whether or not they would have enough food or drink in the wilderness. There will always be doubt because we are not understanding God's ways. We'll never understand God's total ways. There's not a one of us in here that can explain every move and everything that God does. We're not, we're not called to understand everything God does. We're just called to serve him and to believe him and to believe in his word. Amen? We're not called to understand everything. We never will understand everything. Hallelujah. We may never have all the answers. Most of you in here probably heard of David Wilkerson. He passed away, I think, in either 2010 or 2011. I personally believe he was a modern-day prophet. Every one of the prophecies, even back in the 70s, that he brought to us from God have come to pass. <clears throat> I believe he was a modern-day prophet. But if you would begin to read what that man went through... His, his wife, Gwen, had 20-some surgeries. His son lived in constant pain and from one pain clinic to another because of his back pain. There was nothing they could do. His daughter had cancer. His granddaughter died of a brain tumor. He didn't have a bed of roses. But yet I can tell you tonight that even though he's going on to be with the Lord, his light is still shining. And the prophecies that he made and the sermons that he preached and the lives that he touched, it is still going on. And he gave the testimony of his daughter, Bonnie, being in the hospital and he'd already gone through all these things. <clears throat> and he said to his wife, I have to just get away. And he said he drove out into the country and he said, God, I just don't know how much more I can take. Have you ever been there? And he gave this testimony. He said, God spoke to his heart. And he said, David, 
would you rather be a father to your daughter or would you rather I would be her father? Who do you think could do a better job at being her father? He said, well, Lord, you could do a better job. And he said, God simply said to him, then let me be her father. Lord, I, church, I believe tonight that God is telling us it's a hard time for Christians. I'm not going to stand up here and say it's easy sometimes. It's not easy. But I'm here to tell you that God is working all things together for your good if you love him. It didn't say that all things are good because there's been some things in my life and I'm sure in your life that I certainly wouldn't mark as being good. But I can honestly tell you that he promised that all things will eventually work together to bring good. I think of my, I think of my dearest friend who passed away of cancer. If ever there was a godly woman, it was her. Her and her husband lived what they preached. They belonged to the church of God. They did, wasn't afraid to get their hands dirty. I saw them scrub out the toilets in the bathroom. I saw them scrub out the garbage cans. I saw them give their, only, their last dollar to a family that was in need of the church. I, one time I went to her house and she said, I just don't know what to fix. We'll just have to see what's in there. She said, because Philip gave away the paycheck again this week to somebody that needed it. This woman was genuine. She was sincere. She loved God with her whole heart. She lived what she, what she preached. She got cancer in her body. And after she passed away, her daughter called me and said, I want to read you my mother's, something my mother put in her diary. And she read and she said that her mother, her mother wrote, Today Deb's coming to take me to my first treatment. She said, this is just another little valley i got to walk through. She said, but God's going to bring me through it. I saw that woman on the very point of death, setting up in the bed in the hospital and pointing her finger at the doctor and saying, I shall live and not die and proclaim the ways of the Lord. A woman full of faith. But yet around Christmas time that year, God took her home. And I'm here to tell you tonight, the devil tried to put doubt in my heart because of that situation. I questioned God about that. And I said, God, why did you take her home, especially at this time? It's Christmas time, Lord. Like the Lord didn't know it was Christmas. I said, it's Christmas time, Lord. Why did you decide to take her home? And the Lord spoke softly to my heart. I said, you know, I wanted her to be here for Christmas, God. And the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, Beverly will have the greatest Christmas she's ever had. You see, we see through a glass darkly church. And people might have thought her faith disappointed her. God took her home, but I'll know it did. And her light still shines on tonight. There's barely a week goes by that I don't think of something that woman said to me. There's barely a week goes by that I don't think of a little golden nugget that she planted in my heart. Her light is still burning on tonight, and it will continue to burn on because of her testimony and her dedication to God. I think of Sister Barb, when I was writing this down, I thought of her. That Sunday morning a few weeks ago when God had me leave the piano and come down and pray for her, she couldn't barely walk. She was still worshiping God. 
And I wanted to see God heal her so bad that Sunday morning. And I know all of you that were here did too. We had set compassion. You could feel the compassion in the service and the eagerness to see our sister healed. And God decided not to do it that morning. And I said that there was a scripture in the Bible that, that he's, when, when he was touched, he said... I see men as trees walking. It was a grandeur. It wasn't a sudden. Every time God heals isn't always suddenly. We want it to be suddenly. But sometimes it's a gradual process. And she limped back out of here. Sunday night came. I walked in still limping. But all she kept saying was, I'm still praying. That night out in the yard... When the altar call was given, Brother Harold was preaching. I was, I was concentrating on God, and I didn't realize that she had gotten up out of her chair over there and was limping back up to the, to the altar. And Brother Harold asked me to help her up there. But you know, now her, God has touched her leg, and she is healed. Uh, but you know something I learned from that is I saw that woman's praise through, through what she went through. I saw how she continuously praised him. And you know what that did? That just made her light shine a little bit brighter. Satan meant for it to put doubt in our minds. But I'm telling you what, it didn't work because all it did was make her light shine brighter. God has a far greater plan for us tonight than what we realize. Oh, we just look at sur surface stuff. We just look at stuff as temporary. That God has a far greater plan for us. Amen. It is not his will for us to allow doubt to destroy us. There are people that are, are fighting in a, a personal war inside themselves with doubt. They've, they've struggled with doubt for so long that it has allowed a seed of bitterness to grow there. And that is not good. I may not understand God's ways, but I know that he has my back tonight. And I know he's perfecting the things that concern me. Pertaining to that, let me read you something tonight. This is a story of a couple who went to England to celebrate their 25th wedding anniversary. Now, this is a fable. Don't go out here saying I went and said a teacup talked. <laughs> it's a fable. But they went to England to celebrate their 25th wedding anniversary. They both liked antiques and pottery, and especially teacups. They went into this antique shop. They asked, may I see that beautiful little teacup setting on the shelf? The teacup began to talk. It said this, I have not always been a teacup. There was a time when I was just a lump of red clay. My master took me and he rolled me and he pounded me and he patted me over and over. I didn't like that. I said, please stop. Please stop what you're doing. He just looked down and smiled and simply said, not yet. Then wham, I was placed on the spinning wheel, 
And suddenly I was spun around and around until I was so dizzy I thought I would surely vomit. Stop it. It's making me dizzy. Don't you see that it's making me so dizzy? Can't you stop? But the master only nodded, looked down and smiled and said, not yet. He spun me and poked me and bent me in the shape that he wanted me to be. He put me in the oven. I never felt such heat. I yelled and knocked and even pounded on the door. Help, get me out of here. The only reply was, not yet. When I thought I couldn't bear it another minute, the door opened and he carefully took me out and put me on the shelf. I thought, finally. Finally, I'm beginning to cool, and I feel so good. Then suddenly, he picked me up and brushed and painted me all over. Yuck, what's that horrible smell? Don't you understand? It's terrible. The fumes are terrible. Please stop it. He only shook his head and one more time said, not yet. Then suddenly, he put me back into the oven and cranked it up even higher. I thought I would surely not make it this time. I screamed and yelled, but it didn't do any good. I was convinced I was done for. Suddenly, he put me out of the oven, put me on the shelf. I was busy wondering what he was going to do next. Finally, about an hour later, he handed me a mirror and said, look at yourself. That's not me. That couldn't be me. Well, it's beautiful. I'm just beautiful. Quietly, he spoke. I know it hurt to be rolled and to be pounded and to be prodded. But if I would have left you alone, you'd have only dried up. I know it made you dizzy to spin you around and around, but if I had stopped, you would have only crumbled. I know it hurt, and it was hot. And I know you didn't understand. Yes, the fumes were bad when I painted all over you, but if I hadn't done that, you never would have hardened. You would never have had any color in your life. And when I put you back in the oven, I knew you thought I was trying to destroy you. But if I would not have put you back in there, you would never have become hard enough to withstand what you have to withstand. Now, you are what I had in mind when I first began with you. So what the potter was doing was making something beautiful out of that piece of clay. When we go through trials and things in our life, when doubt tries to creep in and we don't understand why, it's just like the potter with the piece of clay. He's making something beautiful, something good. And it doesn't feel good when he's doing that because stretching sometimes doesn't feel good. But he knows what he's doing, church. Don't allow the devil's plot for doubt to enter your mind. The second D tonight is discouragement. Discouragement is loss of confidence or enthusiasm for something. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9 reads, Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Discouragement is when we start to ask why. In God, where are you? Have you ever been there? 
Why, God, where are you? I'm sure Martha must have felt that way. Jesus was a a good friend of Mary and Martha. And I'm sure she didn't understand when she sent word that her brother Lazarus was sick why Jesus never showed up. And I want to tell you tonight, Jesus wouldn't even have had to show up. He could have just simply said the word where he was at, be ye healed, and there's no distance in prayer, and that man would have been totally healed and recovered. Jesus didn't have to come there. All he had to do, like he did so many other times in the word, was just speak the word. And I'm sure she didn't understand. I'm sure there was doubt in her mind. I'm sure there was discouragement there. But four days later, after it was all said and done, Jesus showed up. And you see, it was all part of his plan to show them that he was going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that they might even ask or think, totally opposite of how they thought he was going to handle it. And it turned out to be a greater testimony for us all down through the ages to know that even though Lazarus was sick, sick and died, four days later when he was stinking in the grave, the power of God pulled him out of there. Amen? God has a purpose. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm sure they didn't understand. I'm sure it was a little bit discouraging to them to know that they were going to be put in the fiery furnace. Sorry, but that's not my plan tomorrow. I don't want to be put in any old fiery furnace. But if they would never have been taken and put in the fiery furnace, they would have never experienced the fourth man walking among them as of the Son of God. Hallelujah. You see, so many times we want the answer to why ahead of time. And that's not a faith walk. Daniel, when he was put in the lion den. I'll tell you what, I've been in some fiery furnaces, haven't you? But it has been in them fiery furnaces that I learned that Jesus is with me every step of the way. I found out when he's all I have that he is all I need. Amen? Daniel throwed in the lion's den. He didn't know ahead of time that God was going to shut the lion's mouth. But it didn't matter to him because he realized that God had a plan that was greater than what he could ever imagine. Church, when are we going to get to the point that we realize God has a greater plan for us than what any of us even begin to realize? Amen? You know, I think of Job, and we talk about Job and the patience of Job. And, but, you know, still, all down through these centuries, that light is still burning. I can go into the Word of God, and I can read about the things that Job went through. And I can say, God, I thought I had it bad. That light is still burning. Satan's stupid tonight. What he tries to do to destroy us, if we hold on and hang in there, it just makes our light shine brighter. You know the neat thing about Job, though? He went through all that and said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And he didn't even know the end result. We know the end result. He didn't. When we question and when we don't understand storms in our life and why they come, 
They come because storms in our life teaches us to fly a little bit higher and to glow a little bit brighter. I think of the eagle tonight, and pertaining to discouragement, there are some things we can learn from the eagle. The eagle is very fascinating. They build great nests, and they can fly to about 10,000 feet, and they can soar up there, and then they can kind of put it on cruise control and cruise about 40 miles an hour. I'll tell you what, last Sunday morning, I thought I was, I was flying 10,000 feet, and I thought I was cruising on cruise control. I'll tell you what, we're going to fly out of here one or the other. <laughs> Amen. I thank God for his touch. But we can learn from those eagles. One thing about an eagle, eagles always fly with other eagles. You never saw an eagle picking around with the chickens, did you? What's that trying to tell us? It's trying to, I'm trying to tell you tonight that be careful who you hang around with. A delivered alcoholic should not hang around with, with a bar hopper. You know, I used, to, I used to tell my kids and warn them about staying away from certain people, and my girls listened, but my son ran to them all. But... <laughs> But I'm telling you what, you show me your friends and I will show you your future. A lot of truth to that statement. But eagles fly with eagles because they are careful who they hang out with. We need to learn that lesson tonight. You don't want to be discouraged, then you start hanging, hanging around with people that's going to encourage you. You start hanging around with people that know the Lord and are filled with the Holy Ghost and know the Word of God and know how to believe God and know how to pray and get a hold of God. That'll take away your discouragement. But hang around a praiser long enough. I'll tell you what, discouragement can't hang around a praiser. Many times I had to praise my way out of discouragement. Amen? Eagles have very keen eyesight and stay within the vision of what they want. How well of a lesson we could learn from that. So many times we get our eyes onto other people. We get our, our face out of the word of God and we get looking around to other people. And boy, I'll tell you what, the devil soon say, well, you don't have to be such a God fanatic. You know, they love God. They call themselves a Christian. They're doing this and doing that. Not true. The Bible says not to look to the right nor to the left. You know, when you run a marathon, someone that runs a marathon, what do they keep their eyes on? Straight ahead and the goal at the end. I don't care what that crowd's doing around them. They might be yelling things and, and throwing things and acting crazy, but they don't pay attention to that. They keep their mind on the end and their eyes on the end. That's what we have to do, church. I'll tell you what. The devil wants to put up distractions, but we have to keep focused like the eagle does. Another thing about an eagle. An eagle will never eat anything dead like a vulture does. You know what that tells me tonight? We best be careful what we're feeding ourselves. And I'm not talking about milkshakes and chocolate either. Thank God. <laughs> or Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> I'm talking about what we are allowing our eyes to see, what we are allowing our ears to hear. 
You know, my, my youngest daughter has this thing. If she watches a really good movie, she'll say to me, oh, Mom, you got to watch this movie. It is so neat. It's, it's really clean, really good movie. You need to watch this. One of the first things I ask her, I'll say, is it sad? Well, it did make me cry a little, but it's all right because I know you'll love that movie. But I'll tell you what, if she tells me that, there's no way I'm going to rent that movie. Life is too sad if you allow it to be as it is. Why in the world would I want to sit there and waste my time watching a movie that I'm going to sit there and cry over? No, thank you. It is what I feed myself on. Now, I'm not going to go to some red box and stick my Mac card in there and say, well, I just can't wait to get home and start crying over this movie. I have better things to do, and I don't want to be discouraged. If she wants to do that, that's up to her. If she wants to cry, that's fine. I would rather shout. Hallelujah. Discouragement. What we go through, when we come through, we're going to shine brighter. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Eagles love the storm. Why do eagles love the storm? Because they know that when that storm comes, they start getting excited. Because when that storm comes and that wind begins to blow, they know how to use that wind and that storm to fly high above in the heavens, far above that storm. That's what we have to learn to do, church. When the devil starts throwing junk our way and gives us a a hit that we're not expecting. We need to be like an eagle and learn to fly above that storm. Like I said, we're not going to understand the things we go through, but I understand this. I heard, I heard stories about eagles. Then when they build these nests that are over two feet deep and five feet across, I was thinking when I read that, I thought, man, I could fit when fly the waves in one of them nests. But they build these immaculate nests. And they, they start out with thorny twigs and sticks. Then they put other sticks. And then right inside the nest, they even sometimes take off their feathers from themselves and lay it into this nest for the little eaglets. And oh, what a comfortable place it must be for them. High up and in that really nice nest. The thorns are there and no animals can come. They're protected. But then they start to grow and it comes time for them to leave that nest. Have you ever been there? Sometimes when I get pretty comfortable in my life, that's when God says, Time to do this or time to do that. And sometimes I don't understand. And to be honest with you, I don't want to do it. I'm safe and cuddly right there in that nest with all those feathers in there. But what happens is they will begin to get those baby eaglets out of the nest. And sometimes they'll even go as far as to push them off of this high cliff or this high tree. And as they begin to fall, I'm sure they're thinking that they're a goner. I'll tell you, sometimes in my, there's been times in my life that I felt like I was in a spiral downfall. 
And I thought, where in the Lord God are you at? And I didn't understand. But just before I reached the bottom, there came God. Just like the, the, the story goes that the eagle can dive down in a nosedive at 99 miles an hour. Can you imagine that? 99 miles. Well, that's even faster than I drive. <laughs> I'm not so sure my husband will agree with that. He thinks I have a really heavy foot. <laughs> but I've calmed down in my old age. I really have. But they can dive at 99 miles an hour in time to save that little eaglet. I've been there. I've been there when I've almost crashed to the ground. And my heavenly father came to the rescue and lifted me up and planted my feet on higher ground one more time. And after it's all over, and after I've held on until I've almost reached the ground, and my heavenly Father has come down and lifted me up, it only goes to show the world that my light is shining even brighter. I remember when I worked at Dr. Daly's, and I was there for quite a while, got, got to become pretty good friends with everybody in there, and I really liked my job. And my mother got sick. She had Alzheimer's. And my dad was trying very hard to take care of her. And I told him, I said, you sell your house, you move over to where I, close to where I live, and I'll help you out. So every day I would go to work, and in the evening I would go to their house and I would help my dad take care of my mother. At the time, my sister was fighting for her very life with cancer. And we would go sometimes make her a meal, and she lived in Mercersburg, and it was a very rough time. And finally, my mom became so bad, and I, I made up my mind I was quitting my job and going to take care of her. And I didn't know how we were going to make it or how things were going to work out, and it did work out, but at the time, I didn't know how it was going to work out. But I knew that my parents needed me, and I knew that my mom, for a very long time, fed me and changed my diapers and, and raised me and, and, and taught me the ways of God. And I knew there was no way I was putting her in a home unless it was a last resort. Now, I'm not here to condemn anybody that does that, but I'm here to tell you tonight it wasn't for me. So I quit my job, and I went and took care of her. And my dad, I would get her, I'd be there until nighttime, then my dad, I'd put her to bed, then my dad would take care of her. It was a very, very, very hard time in my life. But I remember when I was leaving my job, the office manager came to me, and, and she said to me, she said, I have seen you in the years that you've worked here go through some very hard times. She said, I, I watched how you handle things. She said, and I want to tell you that you're going to be okay. She said, because I saw how you came through other things. She said, and I know that you're going to be strong enough to handle this. So you see, church, even though I was tired, even though my sister was dying of cancer and my mother had Alzheimer's and, and my dad was becoming sick and all these things were happening and I didn't have much time at home and I didn't understand why all this was happening and I was praying for my sister and I'd call her up and I'd encourage her and I'd anoint her and I didn't understand what all was going on. But even during that time, God allowed my light to be shining so others could see it. You see, that's why we go through things. It's only people that go through things and can some handle some things that can help other people. 
There is a reason behind why we go through the things that we do. Amen? But I'm telling you what, just like the, the, the um, mama eagle was there to dive down 99 miles an hour and, and rescue that egglet, there has not been a time in my life that God has not rescued me. There's been times when I wondered where he was, and I thought he was four days late. But I'm here to tell you, he is the most on-time God for being four days late that I have ever known of. Amen? And the third D I want to talk to you about is diversion. If he doesn't get you with doubt and he doesn't get you with discouragement, he's going to try to get you by diversion. Diversion is turning aside from a course or purpose. It's something that distracts you. We have a lot of things that distracts us today. God has blessed America and given us all these things, but we've allowed them to become a diversion from our relationship with God. God has blessed people with boats. He's blessed them with campers. He's blessed them with all these things. You know, kids have video games that I couldn't even begin to imagine how to play them. I wouldn't even try. But all these things that take up our time, and I'm not saying these things are wrong. If you enjoy fishing and you have a boat, that's great. That's a blessing from God. But I'm talking about the people that use these things then, and you can't find them in the house of God. Now, I'm here to tell you tonight, that's wrong. It is wrong. The devil is trying to get us sidetracked. We need to be using this time wisely because we don't know when that trumpet's going to sound. I don't know when I'm going to get a phone call where somebody's going to need me to get a hold of God. I don't have time to be praying up. I best be praying up when the phone call comes. He is trying to get us sidetracked into these other things so we can get our mind off of God. Oh, he's good at putting up road signs. I'm telling you that. You ever drive down the road and you don't even think you're hungry and you see a Big Mac on the sign? I'll tell you what, pretty soon you feel like you're getting hungry. And he sets up all these things to, to divert us. And I think of Lot's Here is a woman that entertained angels the night before. Entertained angels. But yet when it came down to it, God was so merciful to Lot and his family. He actually finally allowed the angels to actually get them by the arm and, and get them out of the city. And they were out of harm's way. That's how much God loved them. But yet, she was so diverted by what was left behind back there in Sodom that she ended up being turned into a pillar of salt. Lord, never let us be sidetracked. Let us keep following the mark. Let us not be sidetracked. Last night after church, we went over to the plaza to go to Burger King. And in that plaza, it was just packed. And there were so many. First I thought, on a Sunday night, this time of the year, what in the world? And then I began to see all the Pittsburgh Steelers shirts. And jerseys, I guess you call them. 
And I began thinking, and it was a woman that sat down there, and Paul was getting the order, and she started talking to me about how excited she was about the game and how they won and, and how exciting it was. And I thought, God, why can't we get that excited about the things of God? Now, there's nothing wrong with them going to a game. More power to them. I wouldn't give $5 to go to one. But if they want to do that, that's fine. You know, each their own thing. But where are they on Sundays? Where are they on Wednesdays? Where is their relationship with God? I'm not against these things, church. I'm just saying that the devil is trying to get us sidetracked and, and we're ready for a collision course. And this world's heading into total evilness. And, and we're being sidetracked by other things. I thought to myself, how many of these people in here with these jerseys on tonight get that excited about God? Church, we need to get enthusiastic about the things of God. We really do. Hallelujah. What we feed our soul will change us. Let me say that again. Whatever you are feeding your soul is changing you, either for the better or for worse. Let me explain what I mean. There is a church in Chambersburg, and of course I won't mention the name, but there was a lesbian that got involved in that church. My first thought when I visited was to go to the pastor. And then I thought, oh, Lord, I just don't know if I want to stir up this bee's nest or not. So I wasn't going there. We just visited there, and I didn't say anything. Was I wrong? Probably, but I can't go back. She got involved, and they left her get up and start singing specials in the church. Before long... She got involved with a woman in the church who had a, a, a handicapped child and ended up leaving with the woman from the church. Meantime, the ladies that were in charge of the worship that left her get up there and sing, a beautiful, beautiful woman, um, very, very womanly. They both were. The one was married. But within a year or so, these two women got involved. All because that spirit was allowed to go rampant in that church. You know, there's more to, to handling and being a pastor, and this is not against our pastor. We have a wonderful pastor, so please don't think I'm meaning him. Everybody hear me clear, not him. But we need discernment today. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit. We best be knowing who is back here doing what they're back here doing. Because the blind can't lead the blind. Now the church out here is for the, the, the sinner. It's the sick that needs a doctor. But we, if we are blind ourselves, we can't lead somebody else that's blind. Because we'll both fall in the ditch. We wonder why healings aren't taking place. We wonder why we're not seeing more things than what we're seeing. It's because there's sin in the camp in churches. And as long as there's sin in the camp, God can't move the way he wants to move. 
And I know people don't want to hear that kind of preaching anymore. They just want, love me, love me, sing me a lullaby and put me to sleep. But I'm here telling you tonight, and I'm getting starting to get bold about it because I'm telling you, I have loved ones that need to see God move in their lives. I see things that I want done in the church. I want the miracles back in the church again. I want to see people delivered and baptized and healed. And it's not going to happen until we get the sin out of the camp. Hallelujah. But the last time I saw this woman, I was with one of my daughters in a restaurant in Chambersburg, sitting by the window. She said, Mom, look, there's, and she said her name. I would never have recognized that woman. She looked totally different. She dressed totally different. Why? Because she kept feeding herself on something that was abomination to God. We don't play with God, church. We don't play around and we don't mess around with the devil and think it's going to be all right. Because I want to tell you something. Sin will always take you further than what you want to go. You might think you have a control on it and you might have a control on it for a while. But eventually it's going to have you. In closing, I want to ask you this question. What have you done to get to Jesus lately? Sunday morning, when I got up out of bed and I went back to kneel down in the spare bedroom and to pray concerning the songs for Sunday morning, I said, God, I've been so anxious for this new grandbaby. So anxious. I said, every day, Lord, I just about get up with that on my mind. I said, but Lord, am I as anxious about you coming back as I am that new grandbaby? Lord, am I looking for you every morning when I wake up, the same as I'm waiting a phone for a phone call about that baby? You see, if we want our light to shine, we best keep ourselves in check. Every day I have to check myself. Every day I have to check my heart. And every time before I get up here to lead singing or to speak or to do anything, I have to say, God, is there anything in my heart that I might have missed? Is there anything, Lord God, that's not pleasing to you? Because it will hinder my prayers, God. Do I have an unharmonized relationship with my husband? If I do, Lord, cleanse me with your blood because it will hinder my prayers, God. And I've got too many prayers going up that's too important to me. It's too important, God, to mess up now. And I knelt down there and I felt the Lord whisper to me, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But with much prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto me. Oh, it's great to serve the Lord, church. It's awesome to walk in the Spirit. And I, 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 when I was kneeling there, I said, God, I really feel that I haven't been praying as much as I need to be praying. That's one area that I'm lacking, God. Oh, I sing to you all day long as much as I can. 
Thank God there's always a song on my heart. And sometimes I'll sing in the spirit and then it'll come out in English and then it'll go back to tongues. And we have a good old time during the day. I'll tell you what, I think my neighbors are scared to come knocking on my door. They don't know what they're going to find or what they're going to hear or what they're going to see. I've danced all over that house. In fact, sometimes my husband don't know what to expect. <laughs> sometimes I'll get up in the middle of the night and he used to say, is everything okay, honey? Now he says nothing until I get back in bed and then he'll say, is everything okay? <laughs> That's all right. I'm peculiar. It's okay. But I felt that when I was kneeling because prayer just isn't gimme, 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 gimme. It's listening to God and telling and allowing him to tell me what I'm doing wrong. And I felt that in my spirit. And I said, God, please help me. Help me, God. I know I'm busy. I know I'm busy. I work. I do everything, what I can for my kids and other people. But, Lord, if I don't have time for prayer, I'm too busy. Because you know what? I can't be dishing out to other people something I don't have myself. The only way I can minister, the only way I can touch people, the only way I even have breath to sing a song and can minister and be an example is, a, is because of an overabundance of what the Lord gives me. Amen. So I, I repented of that and I said, God, help me. Help me to make more time for prayer. But in closing, like I said, I want to ask, what have you done lately to get to Jesus? Zacchaeus climbed a tree. He knew he was a little guy, and he knew he couldn't see him, and the crowd was too great. Didn't stop him. He climbed a tree. There was a woman with an issue of blood who spent everything she had on doctors. But she found a way in her weakened condition to push through a crowd, not to get an autograph, not even to, to kneel at his feet, but just to be able to touch the very hem of his garment. Amen. Blind Bartimaeus. Crowd coming down the road, but when he heard Jesus was coming, he yelled out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. When they told him to shut up, he just shouted all the louder. Church, I say, God, give me a boldness. Give me a boldness when they say, shut up, we don't want to hear about your God. I can just start saying, well, you're going to hear about my God the same as I have to sit and listen to what you're talking about. Amen. We need that holy boldness today. A crippled man's friends, when there was no room, they put a hole in the roof of the building. Let us get desperate like that again for God, church. Desperate for him. I believe it's going to take some turning off the television. I believe it's going to take us getting off of some Facebook. You know, here again, if that's your thing, go to it. But I do not like Facebook. My daughter came one day, said, Mom, I'm going to get you connected with the world. I'm going to set you up on Facebook. Snap my picture, put whatever she had to do. Wrote out instructions because she knows her mama doesn't know how to get on there. As soon as she'd tell me and leave, I'd forget it. So she wrote it all down. She said, now this is good, Mom. She said, because you can get on and see all your grandkids' pictures. And she was saying, and, and that's fine. But I'm telling you what, two reasons why I don't like Facebook for myself. One is I don't need to know everybody's business. 
because I have enough of issues for myself, and I need all the extra time I can get to get a little bit brighter. And second of all, everybody would defriend me because I'd be telling them like it is. So I'm just best to stay off of it. It's not always a bad thing, but that's just how I feel. I think it's going to take some pe people staying off the golf course. I believe it's going to take some of us losing a little bit of sleep. It's going to take some adjusting, church, if we want our light to shine. It's going to take some dedication. Pastor can't do it himself. Song leader can't do it herself. Piano player can't do it. Instrument players can't do it. We are all a part of this. Do you know how encouraging it is, and I'm sure the pastor feels the same way, to look out over a congregation that's participating and not being spectators? It's tough to be in a church and sing with your whole heart and worship God and pray the power of God comes down in that place and looking at people that look like they're sucking gas out of a quarter-inch pipe or hose or whatever you siphon gas out of. It's tough, but it happens. Don't let Satan's 3D plan of destruction put out your light tonight. Amen? Whatever it takes to let your light shine, whatever it takes for your light to become brighter, church. You know, ever so often, I wanted these candles for in my window for a long time, and they were just too expensive for me to take the money. You know, there's priorities. And so my daughter got them for me for Christmas. But every so many months, I have to go and change the batteries in these, or the light's going to be gone. I don't understand Christians that say, I can serve God and sit at home. I can serve God and don't have to be in church. I can serve God and this and I'm sorry. I need a charge. I need to be in the house of God where my family is. I need to hear the word of God preached. I need to be touched by the power of God. Yes, I can, do, I can, I can feel God at home. I can praise him at home. But I still don't want to forsake the assembling of myself together. Amen? So ask yourself this question tonight. What can I do to allow my light to shine brighter. Amen. In closing, I'm going to say, how many can come forward to pray tonight? Let us pray that God would make our light shine even brighter. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer on the NBA. Simply place a $10 Moneyline wager on today's game. If either team hits a three-pointer, you'll win $200 in free bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. Just use bonus code CHAMPION200 when you make your bet. BetMGM is proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA, and there's endless ways to make it rain with the king of sportsbooks. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code CHAMPION200 to win 
$100 in free bets if a three-pointer is made in today's game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. and Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.